welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. You know, breathing is something that most of us just take for granted and we don't think about it at all. And in fact, I was reading that the average adult breathes something like 22,000 times a day. And of course, the key organ in our body is our lungs, which gives us this life-giving breath and gives us life. But what happens when our lungs fail us? I'm just thrilled today to have a new guest with me, Howard, and he's been literally given a new lease on life. So welcome, Howard. Thank you for having me. This episode is entitled, Take a Deep Breath and Be Grateful. So you know, Howard, one good thing about getting old is that um, we're able to look back and see all the advancements in society, especially in medicine. And... I don't really remember the first lung transplant, which was in 1963 in the United States, but I am old enough to vividly remember the first heart transplant in 1967. And I know it was on every science and health exam, and we all knew Dr. Christian Barnard in South Africa, and was really stressed to us that that was a major um, advancement in medicine. And you know, the first transplants might not have survived very long, maybe just for hours, but with all the medical advancements, here we are today, and I'm talking to you, Howard. (laughs) So how long has it been for you since you had a double lung transplant? It has been just over five years. Oh, five years. I received it in October 2018. And you can probably remember the exact date. Exact date and time. Yeah. In about 2022, there were some 350-some lung transplants in Canada and 153 heart transplants in Canada. So it is becoming a more commonplace and life-giving thing. And, you know, right now, um, about one in five Canadians live with some type of lung issue. Um, It could be lung disease, it could be lung cancer, it could be COPD, it could be cystic fibrosis or asthma. And unfortunately, I think there's still some judgments or biases relating to lung issues, such as blaming the individual for the illness, saying, oh, it was all self-inflicted. There's some stigma attached when we see someone with lung issues. But in reality, Howard, um, some lung issues don't come about from self-inflicted behavior, do they? No, not at all. First question you normally get is, are you a smoker or were you a smoker? Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Yeah, and what was your situation? Well, I have a de- degenerative disease or deficiency. It's called alpha-1 antitrypsin. Okay. And it's a gene that mm-hmm. is messed up in my liver. Mm-hmm. And it causes, I have the worst form of it, and it causes issues in my lungs. Yeah, so it could be from genetics and other reasons yes. for lung uh, issues, could be from environmental causes, it's not just uh, self-inflicted. Inflicted. So what were the first signs that you had that you were having some issues with your lungs? Well, when I was younger, growing up, everybody always said I just had asthma or COPD and it would, you know, I, I was a smoker, but that wasn't the issue. Um, in 2008, I had an issue with my right lung, mm. and that's when they diagnosed the alpha one antitrypsin, and that's when things started to okay. uh, progress. Okay, and how did that affect your life for the next, well, how many years was it till you got the transplant? 
Well, in 2008, they told me I would have 10 years to mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. And at first it was okay. I, I didn't really come to grips with the severity of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was a fight uh, with myself like, and my family. Mm-hmm. They were, my wife and my kids were thinking the worst of everything mm-hmm. and I was trying to think more positive and it would be better and it was a, it was a struggle at first. Mm-hmm. Did it affect other parts of your life such as working and things like that? Uh, not as much. I, I did work right up to the day of the transplant. I was slower getting around places as I got sicker and went on oxygen mm-hmm. and then I needed a scooter. And right. Those sort of things and I couldn't do as much at home. Yeah. And play with the kids or yeah, yeah. do so, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so it really did hinder your quality of life yes. and um, yes. such. Yeah. So you said you were on oxygen and such. Were there any other treatments that were tried out? In, at that time? In 2012, I received a treatment, started receiving a treatment called prolastin. And that is a gene replacement therapy. And they, I'd have that every Friday until the 26th of October, 2018. Right. Yeah. And that basically kept the my issues at bay for a while Mm -hmm. so for the first four years of it it was better and then there was you could tell that there was starting to be more of a decline in my health and my breathing so what was kind of the process for the doctors to determine that you were appropriate for a double lung transplant well in 20 or 2008 i did start seeing the southern alberta transplant team And we, I would see them every six months and they would go through procedures of what I would need to do. And that's, we had back and forth things. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted a transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they start to do the workup, they decide that you're at a point in your life that, that where you're just gonna decline faster. Okay. And so they started the workup in 2017. Of, April, April 2017. So were there some other factors that they considered, like your own health or things like that? Like, does well, is everybody just automatically approved for a double no, lung transplant? No. Your, your age, mm-hmm. your overall health, they test you for everything possible. You have to get, you, there are so many tests they run, like blood tests and um, MRIs, CT scans, wow. x-rays, bone scans, and they want to make sure you're healthy enough mm-hmm. that when you have the transplant that you're okay to handle it, your body will handle that. Yeah, and I imagine they have to be sure that you're also motivated to follow through with, like it's not an easy procedure or easy follow-up. No, it, it? it's not, and it, they, they make sure that you're in the right mental state, yeah. you see psychiatrists, you see social workers. It's a it's a very huge team yeah. that you see and they okay. take care of you. Well, okay, so you get approved that um, you're an appropriate candidate for a double lung transplant. And it doesn't just happen right away, does it? What did you have to do to prepare? What was the waiting period like? 
I was told on June, I'm going to say June 5th in 2018 that I would be put on the list. Okay. But I w- at that time, I was not active. Okay. So in September of that year, I had to go to Edmonton and stay there for the four weeks mm-hmm. and do a physiotherapy program to exercise and get my body back in shape and try to have be physically prepared for when I got that yeah, call. The best you could be, yeah. So they activated me on the on the list on September 28th mm-hmm. and I was called on October 27th at 10 o'clock at night. Wow. So what was that waiting period like, like for you and the family? Uh, it, the waiting period wasn't bad. It was more, we knew how everything was going to happen and the situations that could go down at that time. And everybody at that point had already came to grips with what was going to happen. Were you past the point of having any doubts at that point? Like you were just right into it? Yeah. Yeah. When they first started the workup on the transplant, I had no doubts at that point. I wouldn't have started the workup if I had Hmm. doubts. Right. How did you respond when you got the call? I remember it was at night. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty surprising. It... I remember it. We had just all, all, my whole family lived with me at the time, mm-hmm. my wife and all my kids and grandkids. And we had all just went to bed after a nice, fun evening. And the phone rang. And the lady on the other side said that they have some lungs for me. It was an amazing, uh, an amazing call. A moment, uh, eh? It was, yeah. You, it's very hard to explain the we had other we had questions um, my wife Kimberly asked um, about the lungs and because you know there's some are maybe not the best lungs you could get right. but they said I was a perfect match to my donor right in every aspect and okay. these were the lungs for me yeah. And I understand, um, did you have your bags packed already and waiting and everything? Yes. Because yeah. you're, you're a fair ways away from the hospital that was doing the surgery. Yeah. You have to have like a go bag yeah. ready to go. And um, when they call you, you have a limited time to arrive there. So I drove, we drove from Calgary to Edmonton and I drove <laughs> myself. Um, my wife was wondering why. I said, well, this might be the last time I ever get to yeah. drive. So <laughs> we drove up there at night. Well, I was going to say, thankfully, you're a professional driver, so you could probably have done the trip with your eyes closed or something. But yeah, no. it's... Uh, what were the emotions like on that? Because I remember she posted a picture and we all saw it. And what were your emotions like driving up to Edmonton? It was pretty surreal. We It felt like it only took about an hour, yeah. hour and 15 minutes to drive up there. Yeah. and. Um, we all just talked. My kids and my wife were with me, and we all just talked and laughed and discussed what was going to go down. Yeah. Because just because you get the call and they say you there is lungs, they may not be viable when you get there. Right. So you would make that have to drive home after that as right. well. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of prepared for whatever might occur. Then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What was the surgery like? I know you've got some amazing uh, marks on your chest now. <laughs> well, it, it's 
it's kind of a weird experience when you're laying in the you're in the hospital room and there this guy comes and he's like I'm here for the kidney patient I'm here for the liver patient I'm here for this patient then you hear I'm here for the the lung patient and they take me and they're wheeling me down through the hospital and got to the end and they had explained everything to my family of what was going to happen mm-hmm. and we got to the doors and I said goodbye to my family wow. and said see you in a little bit yeah and then they take you into the room Did, do you know how long the surgery was the surgery was about seven hours wow yeah yeah so the, my wife and kids just waited until yeah do you remember uh, waking up I do. Yeah. I do. Um, it was the next day. It was maybe 24 hours later. Yeah. And they woke me up. And I was... I didn't... At, at the time when I went in, they weren't sure if they could do both lungs mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. one. So we had a little... Uh, I had asked him to do a little code to me if I got one lung or oh, two. Yeah. And it yeah. was... Uh, covering an eye one eye or opening <laughs> okay. covering both eyes or open it up and yeah. she thought I was silly because she said you know I can talk to you I can just tell you and not have to do the yeah. sign language <laughs> but uh, yeah I woke up and she told me that I got both lungs wow. yeah it was pretty amazing exactly what was the recovery period like the recovery was pretty quick they have you out of the bed the next day. So mm-hmm. I was, I stood up by myself, sat up and stood up by myself in the bed, Amazing. out of the bed. And I had a, tons of hoses hooked up yeah, to me yeah. and stuff, but they get you moving as yeah. quick as possible. So my recovery time, I could have been out within 10 days right. of the hospital, but the lungs that they put in me had the rhinovirus, which is basically the common cold. So I had to have a uh, IV twice okay. a day, and they didn't want me walking across the street yeah. at night and stuff. So I stayed an extra five days or six days. Right. Past. And I remember you had to stay um, close to the hospital for was it a few months? Three right? months. Or, Three yeah. Months. Just so case. we lived basically right across the street mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the U of A hospital in Edmonton. Yeah. And was that, uh, you, were you going for therapy or what was the reason for every, that or just closeness to the hospital? Every, every day you had to go for physiotherapy in the morning. Right. And you worked out and you, there was every, you know, lifting weights yeah. and walking on treadmills. And, uh, they also had where you would see social workers yeah. and how to live with your new life and yeah. how everything was going to go. And my wife actually had to see people as well, mm-hmm. and it was there was a lot of group yeah. um, conversations with other transplant patients right. that were yeah. there at the same time. I think that's just amazing how they kind of have every aspect of the person covered. It's not just a physical thing; it's a mental, emotional, a social. Like pretty much everything's affected, isn't it? Yes, yeah. for sure. It's it's the team. Like in all of Alberta, it's amazing. Right. They, yeah. I can't say one bad thing yeah. about them. Correct. And when did you go home to Calgary? We went home on January 26th, 2019. Okay. That yeah. was when we were, re- I was released from the hospital and transferred back to the, right. the Southern Alberta guys. Right. 
Were there any setbacks in the last five and some years? Well, just before I left Edmonton, I had rebroke my sternum, and that was broke. Ooh. I walked around for six, seven months, oh, and I had to go back to Edmonton in July of 2019 and have that repaired. They put a plate in my chest to hold my sternum together. And You're one tough guy, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so that was really the only setback I had up until last year in uh, April. I started to go into rejection. So normally you go into rejection after the first year. Yeah, okay. But mine took five. Okay. And what was that process? It was a different kind of process. I went into the hospital on May 2nd, and they they basically give you a ton of drugs to low, like kill your immune system. Right. And then they build it back up to a point where they can manage it again. They want to get all the bad antibodies out of your body. Okay. So they do a, a, a thing called apparesis, where it's basically similar to dialysis, but it, okay. they, they put tubes in your neck and they take out all your blood and clean it and just put the red blood cells back okay. in and take everything else, all the plasma okay. completely out. That, there was five treatments of that at the foothills in Calgary. Yeah, okay. And then I was transferred back to the PLC. I was in the hospital for over a month. Okay. Um, partly in that time, there was a little issue with some internal bleeding. Okay. Which was most likely caused by the apparesis. Okay. And so I was a little touch and go at that point. Right. So you had mentioned um, the whole rejection thing. Um, I gather you're on anti-rejection drugs, are you? Yes. Is yes. that a lifelong, lifelong Forever. thing? Yes. Yeah? yes. How does that affect you? So the medication is okay. There, you have to, it's very regimented. You have to make sure you take it daily. You can't miss doses. You, um, the one medication is you have to get blood tests frequently to see if that medication is at the right limits. Um, that, that one, tacrolimus, it gives you, also will give you shakes. Like what? you're having very, you get very shaky. I've okay. seen people, they look like they're having seizures, oh, but okay. they're not. So you take another medication to offset yeah. the shaking yeah. and um, another one, prednisone, I have to take yeah. every day. So it's hard to lose weight. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like I gain and I gain and gain yeah. and never yeah. lose. Yeah. So this has been such a, a long kind of process and everything. It's kind of ongoing for you, isn't it? How does how has the whole thing affected the family? I think at first they before the transplant it was really tough on them obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had come to grips with my own mortality. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to they had to figure out what they were gonna do when I was gone more yeah, or less. Yeah. I know my wife and my oldest son had conversations of what was going to happen and how things were going to go down and I think it affected them all a lot. Um, yeah. Our, our youngest, she traveled between Calgary and Edmonton yeah. every week just to, because yeah. she was only in grade 10 at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, 
it, it was yeah, a strain hard, on them. It's, yeah. it's hard on the entire family. Yeah. yeah. My grandkids, they yeah. didn't get to see me. They lived with me their entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't get to see me. I was gone all of a sudden. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much this whole process cost? Oh. For the government? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was over a million bucks. Yeah. A million dollars yeah. for sure. They, uh... It's, it's a huge operation. Yeah. I know if we didn't have the health care we have, yeah. There, yeah. there's not yeah. a chance I would be here. Yeah, when you look at just the cost alone of what one transplant would, would cost, yeah. and then you consider all this team and all the hours that are put in and all the follow-up and the doctors and the anti-rejection medication and everything, it's just huge, isn't it? And, yeah. then you, and then you consider if there was a certain amount of... Um, no income for you because of the time you're in the hospital and everything and you've got the living expenses so it's yeah. really quite a costly you have, to have, you have to pay for two homes yeah, at that time exactly. yeah. so you're paying for I'm living in one and I'm still paying for another one in yeah. another city Yeah. yeah. and you know, you're, you're, my wife was with me so yeah. then her income is pretty much gone as well so. yeah, yeah. but we are sure fortunate to be Living in a system where we do have health care. Yeah, yes, yeah. we are. Yes, we are. Do you know the donor? Do you know I who don't. It was, or? I don't. They don't uh, let you know that. I do know the person was in their 20s. Okay. Their early 20s. Yeah. So you got that's, some good, healthy lungs there. Yeah. yeah. My, that's, that's a good thing I can say. If I add the lungs together with my age, I'm a lot <laughs> younger than I actually <laughs> it's am. It's averaged out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any kind of thoughts or feelings about the donor or walking around with someone else's lungs? It's, there's a lot of emotion with mm-hmm. it. You, I think about the life, I think about the process and the gift they gave me mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. I have a tattoo on my arm. Yeah, I see that. It's the first time I see um, it actually. Recycled parts inside uh, grateful know, transplant recipient. And it, you, you think about them all the time and with different things in your life that come that I know I wouldn't have seen yeah. at all. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like I'm so grateful I got to see my kids graduate yeah, school yeah. and my grandkids grow and yeah. everything that's gone on where I wouldn't have saw any of that. Yeah, that was my question. How does this lung transplant affect your life? And it's literally yeah. given you a new life. and. It, a uh, new chance to experience all these milestones. It eh? is. It's 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 amazing what yeah. uh, I've been given. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Did you have anything else to add about your journey here, as far as the lung transplant goes? I feel everybody should sign a, a donor card. It's the gift of life for someone is amazing. It yeah. doesn't. They can. There is so many people waiting that don't get that gift yeah I was lucky I was fortunate enough that I was a perfect match to a person that they they were they wanted to help people they wanted to yeah you know so them and their family at their worst time yeah made my family have the happiest time so it's amazing what they've done for me yeah that's such a great way to put it too and that's what I was going to end this with that none of this would have happened without a donor who was totally thoughtful and selfless and compassionate and like you say out of one person's tragedy another person is given 
a new chance at life and the whole signing up for our good donation is so important and I should have um, I should have taken note of how many people are on the waiting list do you know by any chance how many people are on the waiting list I'm in not, Canada or? I'm not sure hundreds I, I think oh for sure there's hundreds and it the waiting list is different for lungs mm. than it is mm-hmm. for everything else because lungs have to be a match in your body okay as opposed to a oh. person can receive a heart okay it's, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to fit the oh. same okay good so to know as long as those lungs are they yeah. fit you that then you'll get them over yeah someone else okay. kind of deal They've made organ donation in Alberta at least really easy now. You can do it online through myalbertahealth.ca, the Alberta Organ and Tissue Donation Registry. I know when you go to renew your driver's license, you can do it then. And what I like is um, my license has got a really cool little heart logo on it with all my um, organs ready for donation. Mine does as well. Awesome. <laughs> and I also think it's important to say that if um, you're not in a position to... Um, donate um, organs, Um, financial donations are important too because it's an area that's under constant research for the um, efficacy and the longevity of transplants, but also maybe one day they can get to the point where they don't need um, like living organs, they can have synthetic organs like hip transplants and such, right? So I think it's really important to have ongoing research. So financial donations. I agree for sure. I agree. Not just for the research, but to help the families that are going through the transplant process as well. Like they could, there's, there's many charities that help specific transplant yeah. patients and yeah. th- those donations to those people will help yeah and all, all a person needs to do is um, you know do an internet search on lungs Alberta or something like that and yeah. all the information will come up right and, For sure. and again it's a really interesting topic to research I didn't know anything about it and um, there's all kind of statistics on there and just really interesting information so. it is very very interesting yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Howard. I'm just honored to be talking to you. And um, I don't think there's a lot of people in the world that get to talk to a double organ transplant. So I feel quite honored here. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Um, Like I said, it's just been an honor. And it's just truly an upbeat and life-giving story. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I've uh, enjoyed this. Yeah. And thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it um, interesting and inspiring. And please check back in a few weeks and we'll see what happens next. Thanks again. Bye-bye.